0: Well, good morning, church. Well, happy New Year. Year. Good to see you all. Because it is the new year, I have titled this sermon "Dream in 2019." Just kidding. I'm not. I'm not not doing that. I just want to test you guys. Okay. Oh, thanks, man. It was Josh. Josh was the one. What are all these red marks all over it? (laughs) What? talk about my beard more, what is this, I'm kidding. (laughs) So guys, we know the story. It is Peter walking on the water. We have heard it preached over and over again. Jesus and his disciples had just finished feeding the 5,000 and now they're out to sea heading to their next town and they get caught in a huge storm. Uh, This text is inspiring. It's miraculous, it's beautiful, and it's been used to propel us to respond to Jesus, to get out of our comfort zone as we've heard it preached, to seek God in a new way, to leave the group and to go, to stand firm when the storms of life are raging. We've heard this text preached before, and rightfully so. But what we don't like to talk about is the fact that Peter, with all of his faith, with all of his vigor, with all of his passion, his relentless commitment to Jesus and bravery sank. He sank. And so before we dive in, I want to make one thing really clear. When Peter jumped out of the boat, he was performing an act of extreme bravery and love for Jesus. The men had just finished feeding 5,000 people. I I can not even imagine feeding 100 people, let alone 5,000. The Bible says that they were on the boat and the boat were many stadia off the shore, which is an ancient measure of distance of about 185 meters, thus determining that the boat was about two miles out to sea. And the men had been fighting a storm for the better part of the night. They were most likely cold and wet and exhausted. And at that time, it was believed that many spirits roamed over big bodies of water that could swallow you up at any moment. So not only are they exhausted and tired and cold and wet, they are full of fear. And then they look up to see a person standing on the water. The Bible says they are terrified and start screaming, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. Jesus hears them and says, no, take courage, it is I. And without skipping a beat, Peter responds, if it is you, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come, and Peter bravely goes. So by no means is this going to be a sermon about how faithless Peter is and that he's a coward and that he wasn't thinking straight and that the storms took him off guard. The truthfully, he probably displayed more courage in that moment than any disciple had ever seen before. But Peter still sank. And I believe that there is a reason why. I believe that if we look to this reason why, it can greatly determine the outcome of your 2019. I believe that Peter had something going on in him that had not been reconciled with, and it caused him to sink when walking towards Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to look at the life of Peter in relation to our own story. As I was writing this sermon, uh, I was thinking about my mom, and a few years ago, she was writing her dissertation, as Pastor Josh is doing right now, and her uh, text, or what do they call it, her her dissertation thesis was about the achievement gap in African American males, particularly in high school. And so, what she did that was a little groundbreaking during her qualitative research, she only interviewed students that were peak performing, who are performing at a really, really high level to uh, get her answers for her research. And so this morning, I want us to look at the life of Peter because I believe that he is one of the highest performing and notable figures throughout the legacy of the Bible. Uh, if you don't know, there's, there's tons of mixed messages about Peter. Was he courageous or was he weak? Was he strong or was he a coward? Um, but if you don't know, the, the, the largest church on earth was actually erected for Peter. The largest physical church in the whole world was built for Peter. Peter is the writer of two letters. He started the oldest Christian tradition on earth, the Syriac Orthodox tradition, home to about four million people today. Uh, Peter is... Uh, the first one Jesus called along with his brother Andrew and Peter is someone I believe whose story is uniquely human and relatable more than anyone else in scripture so as we journey to talk about Peter uh, before you do that would you just pray with me Lord Jesus uh, we thank you for the text God we thank you Lord for these incredible um, snapshots into your heart into your heart for our lives and so God teach us Teach us today, teach us today. Move through me, God, speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So it was my second year uh, playing basketball at Azusa Pacific University. And before the season starts, we have to go through a six week conditioning process during the summer. This is not a fun process. This is not fun at all. It's not designed to be fun. You are out in August and September in Azusa, California, on the track. You are running. You are lifting weights. You are running up and down the streets. We are going down to the beach to run there. We are doing everything possible to ensure that this is just a miserable time of our lives, okay? (laughs) And so when we finish this conditioning process, the, the, kind of the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is that we get our jerseys, uh, we get basketballs, we get access to the gym, we feel like a human again. You know, we get new shoes, and so we just kind of can't wait for this conditioning to be over. But to get access to the gym and to get all those privileges, we have to complete our fitness test. And our fitness test takes place at the end of the six weeks, and what it was was we had to run up to the top of Garcia Trail, which is the mountain off the side of the ferry with the A on it. We had to run up Garcia Trail in half an hour to make the team. If you don't make the time, you don't make the team. And so, Throughout the whole conditioning process, you're just, you just see the A everywhere you go. You're on the track, and you can just see the A staring at you. And you're in the weight room, and you're looking through the window, and you can just see the A staring at you. And I'll wake up in the middle, and I'm just like, oh, the A, I see it in my head. And, you know, guys, are just we just talk about this, and we just you know fantasize about how horrible it's going to be. And so it's Friday, and the coach just says, okay, guys, you've had an awesome conditioning season. You guys have done really well, but you know what tomorrow is. So everyone has to be at the base of the mountain at 5 a.m. so that you can get to the top at 5.30. Everyone has to be at the base of the mountain at 5 a.m. so you can get to the top at 5.30. Is anyone confused about that? No, Coach, we got it. We're good. So we show up to the mountain that morning and guys are nervous, so we're there 4.15, 4.20 and we're just kind of staring at each other and we're just trying to you know, pump each other up and we're listening to music and we're pushing each other and we're yelling like, come on guys, this is what we worked hard for, we gotta do this. And so it's 4.20, 4.30, 4.45, 4.50 and we do a head count and we look around and we're missing someone. We're missing our freshman center named Dakota. And if he's not here, that means we all have to do it again. Where's Dakota? Where's Dakota? Where's Dakota? Where's Dakota? Have you seen Dakota? You're his roommate. Don't you know where Dakota is, man. I haven't seen him. Get Dakota on the phone. We call Dakota. Dakota, where are you at? Oh, I'm in the locker room. I thought we were supposed to meet here. Like, no. So my six ten center jumps in his truck and he floors it, going back down the mountain to pick up Dakota. And we're just sitting there running the whole time, running in place. And and we're looking and we see the truck just coming down the street about 100 miles an hour. He slams on the brakes, literally throws Dakota out of the car, and we all just take off in a sprint going up this mountain. And we're yelling at each other and we're pushing, saying, come on guys, we gotta do it, we gotta do it. We can't miss our time, we can't miss our time. And we could just feel our legs just tearing and they feel like dead weights, but we're just pushing and pushing and pushing. And one by one by one, we can see our coach at the top of the mountain, and he gets like, okay, you made your time. You made your time. You made your time. You made your time. And we all finished, and guys are throwing up. Guys are passing out. Some guys are crying. That was me. And, <laughs> and we're just sitting there awaiting to hear our fate. And the coach comes out and says, guys, I have never had a team do what you guys just did. You guys made it up up the mountain faster than any team we've ever had. You guys are in excellent physical condition. But I understand that you guys started at 5.02, and I asked you guys to start at five. So we're gonna see you all back here tomorrow and see if we can do it right tomorrow. And when I say that it just, it took all the little bit of air I had left out of me, I mean, mean, literally, guys are just falling to their knees like, no! And he goes on to talk and says, we're not gonna win a championship. We're not gonna make the playoffs. We're not gonna win any games. We're not gonna become better men this season if we can't even show up somewhere on time. So before we move forward this season, we're gonna go back and do it again. In 2019, before you jump, before you start, before you move, before you get married, before you quit your job, you might need to go back and do some things again. Try this with me, if you would, turn to the person next to you and say, you might need to go back. Try it, I know it's a little weird, try it. You say, you might need to go back. Some of us are so good at starting. We love taking action, we love getting it done moving forward, big vision, taking risks. But some of us need to go back, back for answers, back for reconciliation, back for clarity so that we may respond to the call of God on our lives and move forward in a new way or else we will always run the risk of consistently sinking. Jesus said it like this, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. We cannot have and embrace the new if we never deal with the old. Chinese philosopher Confucius said, study the past if you would choose to define your future. We cannot move forward in a way that is sustainable, in a way that can weather the storms of life, until we deal with the past. So why then do you think Peter sank? That's the question. Did you know that Peter was not his original name? What was his original name, church? That's right, Simon. So did you know that the name Simon literally means grass-like, leaf-like, Reed-like, painting an image of something that is easily blown, tossed around, here one season, gone the next, fickle, and ultimately weak. What do you think it would do to a man's psyche and self-esteem, who historians describe as thick and stocky and had a wide face and a, and a big built, to spend your early years being called a name that has a connotation to weakness? In the Eastern world, names have a whole other meaning than they do here in the West, completely different. In the West, we name our kids all kinds of names, like Apple, you know, amazing. Uh, There's even a growing movement among millennial parents that are allowing their kids to name themselves, imagine. I think I would have been uh, Michelangelo, Michael Jordan, you know, know, part Ninja Turtle, part basketball star, It it would have been perfect. Uh, My dad's here today and he has a good friend named uh, Kojo, who is from Ghana, Africa. And Kojo uh, was not given that name because his parents thought it sounded good. Uh, Kojo was given that name because in that part of the world, your first name is the day in which you were born. So Kojo means Monday. So when Kojo introduces himself in Ghana, people are immediately able to deduce number one that he was born on a Monday. They can see his car and the shoes that he's wearing, so they can, uh, they can comprehend that he was probably born in a hospital. And so their mind can go, okay, what part of the country has hospitals in it? Okay, this part. Which which hospitals open that day? And, and they can deduce this whole story about him, his economic status, where he's from, what his past looked like, probably where his future is going, all because he said his first name. Their names told stories of who they were. So when Simon is introducing himself, he's not just introducing himself, he's telling you the story of who he is. When he was a young boy, that probably was just hurtful, probably stung a little bit every time he heard it and every time the other boys made fun of him. But now as an adult, it's probably just become normal. Imagine what it would be like to go to, to work in a male-dominated uh, workplace as being a fisherman and having a name that bared a connotation to weakness or softness. My Angelou once said, someday we'll be able to measure the power of words. I think words are things. They get on the walls, they get into your wallpaper, they get in your rugs and your upholstery and your clothes and finally they get into you. This was not only Simon's name, this was how he saw himself. This is what he identified with and who he reverted back to time and time again. Jesus aims many times to change this narrative with Simon. All the more important as to why Jesus moved to change this, Jesus knowing this, calls and, and calls him in Matthew 1618, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter, which literally means stone, rock, or immovable object. If I had more time today, I'd want to talk about the fact that Jesus will take your greatest insecurity, your greatest pain, the parts that cause the most discomfort and replace it with his promise for your life. The label that's been spoken over you from a a young child and and the, the things that people have said about you and the hurtful things that you've gone through, if you allow him, Jesus can replace that with his promise for your life. Jesus tries to change the narrative in Simon's life and says, hey man, with me, you're not gonna be wicked, fickle anymore. I'm calling you to be stone, rock, immovable object. But the reality was, Peter wrestled with his past and being Simon his whole life. Which is why in the later part of his life, Peter writes in, in, in 1 Peter, for all people are like grass, And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. We see this through line in Peter's life. We know the story. We know about the denial in the midst of Jesus before the court. At the moment when his loyalty mattered most to Jesus, he faltered and he sank. The Bible says, then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know that man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. This guy saw the transfiguration of Christ. He walked on water. He was the first called by Jesus. And yet he completely sinks when it matters most. Peter lost it, slipping back into his old self, cursing them in the first century literally means wishing death upon their families. Counselors and psychologists watching would be able to attest that it shows the classic patterns of someone wrestling with deep shame. We see Peter wrestling and dealing with his shame. What am I saying? Peter's story is important because Peter is someone who loved Jesus so much and sought after him with his whole heart, literally gave up everything, his family, his home, his trade, his career, and left Jesus. But the whole time he has this wound in him that has never been dealt with and it is causing him to consistently sink when it matters the most. Anybody ever felt like that? Where you feel like, man, I'm doing all the right stuff. I seek God, I sing the worship songs, I go to church, I tithe, I try to be a good person, I give to homeless people. Heck, I might even get on a plane sometimes and go serve people elsewhere. But I got this thing that keeps showing up in my life. Peter has, as John, as John Souther's likes to call it, stuff. And his stuff is causing him to sink. My question to you this morning is simple. What's your stuff? Where's your deepest pain, the place you run from, your hidden shame, your deepest wound? Where is the area in your life that you have been running from year after year after year after year? And you think that by running from it, it will eventually lose heart and leave you alone, but the reality is it just keeps getting stronger. Maybe this is the year you need to stop running and turn around and look at what's been chasing you. I'll say that again, maybe this is the year in 2019 where you stop running and you turn around and look at what's been chasing you. What do we need to go back and deal with? Some of us, it's an addiction. Some of you are addicted to substances in here. You have tried to do all the right things. You come to church, you're in small groups, you pray, you tithe, but you have never gone back to deal with the reason that you reach for the bottle instead of long for God. There are people sitting in this room right now whose lives could be completely changed and transformed for the better by going to places like Celebrate Recovery and Alcoholics Anonymous. There are people here, young and old, who are wounded. You have suffered trauma. You may even have been abused. And these wounds rear their heads at your work, in your relationships, how you parent, how you're parented, and in your decision-making process. Some of you, it might even be in your own friend circle of, you know, well, shoot, and this year I need to get new friends because people always tell me I'm rude. And if they can't handle my directness, I need to be in a group where people are tougher than, wait, hold on, hold on. Before you go and get new friends, could it be that sometimes you are rude? Could it be that maybe you can be mean sometimes? And that you push people away before they can ever get to know you and you can get to know them. And you put on this hard exterior. And that before you move forward this year, maybe you need to go back and look at some stuff. Some of you, it might even be more hopeful. You've read so many books about purpose and calling and you pray and you you get help and you seek mentorship. But have you gone back to look at where you're actually gifted? You might be praying for a calling and a purpose, and God's saying, turn around and look at the gifts I've already given you. Before you go to one more conference and before you read one more book, go back and look at what I've already given you. The gifts are already in there. I think about Moses. When God calls him and speaks to him through the burning bush, You know, Moses, he was estranged from his homeland. He was ashamed of what he had done. He had committed murder and was essentially out in the middle of nowhere, basically hiding. And God speaks to him. He he doesn't say to Moses, go to a new community, take on a new personality, go lead a different group of people. He says, go back to Egypt and reconcile with who you were truly meant to be. Go back. The Bible says, so now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? And God says, go, I will be with you. Some of us might need to take a step back before we move forward this year. You might be wondering, why? Why would I do that? Because if you don't, Fear will always be the driving force in your life, not Jesus. Fear will. Some of us have allowed fear to control everything that we do. Fear, not Jesus. And we won't have the freedom or the ability to take on more responsibility. Our impact will be marred. Our influence will be tarnished. What really brings true joy and meaning to life is the ability, freedom, and opportunity to take on more responsibility that that God has for us. And when fear is a driving force, that's not possible. you might be thinking, wait, hold on, Justin. Are you saying that if I've undergone some deep emotional trauma and wounding in my life that I should be in therapy? Yes, that's what I'm saying. 100%, You should not because you've done, done anything wrong, not because you're not living a courageous life, not because you're not doing all the right stuff. But what if it wasn't even about yourself? What if you said, I wanna love God enough to give him this area of my life. I want to love Jesus enough to give him this part of me. That in 2019, I don't wanna spend the whole time stepping out and sinking and stepping out and sinking and stepping out and saying, "Ah, oh, how did I get back to this place again? I want to step out in a way that's sustainable, in a way that will last, in a way that it will allow me to progress. And so before I step out in 2019, I need to take a step back and deal with some things that I have been running from year after year after year. You know the good news? Is that the enemy will have you believe that if you do that, you'll be missing out on something. That if you do that, you'll be running out of time that people will pass you up if you get off the treadmill. And that's the lie that he keeps in the conversation of your head, so you don't ever actually go and get help. But the truth is that there is no greater place where God wants to see you freed than in that area. God has freedom for you in that space, wherever that space is for you. He's there waiting for you. You know, uh, a few years ago, I was on a plane back from Kenya, and uh, those of you who know who've flown to Africa, it's it's just it's a really really long flight. Like it's super long, and you're on the plane so long you forget where you're going. Like you are even you're just, you're just on the plane, and it was probably like 10, 10 hours into the flight or so, and I realized that I started like feeling like I don't have enough air. And I look over at athlete and I'm like, can, can you breathe? And she's like, yeah, I can breathe just fine. I said, really? I feel like there's not enough air in here. I'm, you know, so I move the seat around and I go walk and I come back. And I said, this is weird. I just, I feel like I don't have enough air. So she's like, okay, just, you know, go to sleep and, um, you know, see if you feel better when you wake up. And so we land and we talk about it. And I said, what was going on with that? And she's like, you know, I think you had a little, a little panic attack. What? It's like, no, I don't have panic attacks. Like, you guys heard me. I was an athlete, and then I spent the rest of my life in the church. Panic attacks are for weak people. I don't have panic attacks. Hello. <laughs> and so the next time I get on a plane, uh, I'm flying, and, and before I know it, it's like, oh, man, this, this is weird. And I feel like I'm, I'm suffocating, and, and I can't breathe, and I, I need to get out. And I said, man, I'm, I'm having these, these anxiety attacks on the, on the airplane before. This is so weird. And so... I buy all the oils, I got the lavender, I got the pillow, you know, I've, I've read all the books, I'm praying to myself, I'm yelling at myself, like, come on, man, you need to suck it up, like, you know, that didn't work. I had another one and another one, and it got so bad that I actually had to get off a plane before it took off. And so I remember sitting in the terminal and watching the plane take off and, and leave, and I just... I put my head in my, in my legs and I'm just crying. I'm like, Lord, how did I get here? How did I get here? I'm trying to do all the right stuff. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to live right, I'm working as hard as I can and here I am suffering from anxiety, really? And so when I walked into the therapist's office, I was hoping that she would give me some kind of magic formula to get on the plane and it would all be fine. And she's like, no, you're not going anywhere. Turns out I had a treasure trove of a problem after problem, negligence, things I had been running from my whole life and I had never got help for. That before I took one more step forward, I needed to go back and deal with some stuff. You might be someone who, who you don't even know what church is. You just know, man, I got stuff. I got stuff. What if 2019 was the year that you dealt with it? What if 2019 was the year that you actually got freedom so you could move forward knowing that I'm not sinking this year. I'm gonna fight the good fight of the faith. I'm gonna finish the race. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna go to where God's calling me and beyond in Jesus' name. So uh, if that's you today, man, after service, um, I'd love to speak with you. We would love to pray with you. Uh, We have people up here that want nothing more than to see you freed In this area so would you pray with me Lord Jesus we thank you God that you are the God of reconciliation and peace and freedom and that you have called us to this incredible life that you actually do have awesome plans for us Lord you said that in your life that you have a plan God for a hope and a prosperous future but we know God that sometimes we need to take a step back before we move forward And so, God, I pray, Father, for people in here that are carrying burdens, Lord. I ask, God, that this would be the year that they loved you enough and loved themselves enough to say, no, I'm going to go back and deal with that so that thing is no longer in my life. Father, in your word, it says that we should cast our cares to you. That's what Peter wrote. And so, God, I pray that in these next few moments of worship that we would cast our cares to you and that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.